Hey guys, I'm Shelby, host of Addicted to Crime podcast. Join us for deep, chilling dives into the evil nature of criminals, and let's take a closer look at their early life and background to see how they got to the day of the crime. This podcast was created in hopes you pay closer attention to your surroundings and hopefully stay safe. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts or else on the website www.addictedtocrime.org. Happy listening, thanks for your time, and stay safe. peeps and creeps and welcome back to another episode of paranormal peep show the podcast where we get up close and personal with the most haunted and the most cursed items known to mankind i'm lennox hall your tour guide through the museum of the macabre before we get into this week's topic i have a little bit of housekeeping to take care of from last week we were talking about Akiku, the doll with the growing hair that has been in the Menengi Temple since 1938. I said she lives there to this day, but some of you peeps who have been keeping up with this particular item have been kind enough to let me know that the Akiku is no longer in that temple. It seems that only a few weeks ago, the Akiku disappeared from her case. There were no signs of tampering from the monks, and the Akaido police haven't been able to find any evidence of a break-in. Last week, the Akiku was found in Tokyo in a toy shop. The owners had no idea how she got there, 1,300 kilometers from where she disappeared. This is a very intriguing story, and we're going to have to keep our third eyes on this one. Now on to today's story, or I suppose stories. There is going to be a little bit of a different episode today because I'm going to be talking about several items that we've already discussed. I'll be giving you some quick background info on these items, and if you want the full story, you can check out the back catalog. But I find it interesting that so many of these items are reportedly converging at the O'Connor Orchid Estates, a place with a ridiculous amount of verifiable paranormal activity. So let's get on to the specific objects, and then at the end, I'll tell you what they all have to do with each other, what they have said to be used for, and what we should be all concerned about. There are two items that are known to be in the O'Connor Orchid Estates, two that are believed to be there, and the last item is unknown. But I believe I figured out what it is. All right, all right. I've rambled on long enough, let's get to it. The first object that we're sure is located at the O'Connor Orchid Estates is the 1970 Dodge Charger. Now for my regular listeners, I don't have to say anything else. The Charger is legendary in the cursed object community. But in case someone is new around here, 
I'll give you a quick backstory. From the beginning, this car was destined for bad things. When it was on the assembly line, a welder named Arthur Torres had a freak accident with this acetylene tank. The tank exploded and set Arthur on fire. He died screaming in agony on the frame and after his body was scraped off, the charger went right back into production. As police were investigating Arthur's death, they discovered that he had killed his entire family along with several others and had taxidermied them and was setting them up in different scenarios all around his house. Truly the stuff of nightmares. If you want the whole story on Arthur Torres, check out my friend Scout Martin's podcast, Spine Chilling Crime, episode six. And you're welcome for the plug, Scout. You can pay me later. But the tragedy that seemed to follow the Charger around was far from over. In 1983, on a foggy November evening, Mayor Charlie Benson was taking a stroll out by the river in his town of Reading, Ohio. At the same time, Mildred Welch was taking a drive in her 1970 Dodge Charger. Mildred didn't see Charlie walking and hit him, sending him careening off the unfinished bridge. His body was never recovered. The street and bridge were subsequently named after Mayor Benson by his successor, Lilibeth Lawrence. Mildred then sold the charger to Seamus McGregor, a known practitioner of black magic. Seamus restored the car and put several modifications on it, both standard mechanical upgrades and magical ones. Then, on March 16, 2004, police were called to the very same bridge that Charlie Benson died at several years before and found Seamus inside of the car with his girlfriend, Delilah Evans, dead in the front seat. The police report states that officers Jacob Kyles and officers Perez, that's right, his first name is Officer, were called to the scene. Seamus was gunned down and gas from the car lit his body on fire. His body fell off the bridge and was also never, ever found. The Dodge Charger was then sold at a police auction to the eccentric billionaire Jack Billings, the current owner of O'Connor Orchid Estates. The Charger would taste blood one last time on Xmas Day in 2017 when friend of Mr. Billings, Dylan Townsend, killed the Reading, Ohio butt stabber in the back seat. The Charger still belongs to Mr. Billings, and our friends over at My Creepy Haunted Life have been giving us periodic updates, but no one has actually seen the car for several months. The next object that is definitely residing at O'Connor Orchid Estates is the Bishop's Bible. The history of this Bible is much more horrifying, but also less documented. So let's talk about the facts that we know. In 1568, the Church of England requested that Bibles be translated into English so that the regular citizens could read them. This was tasked to several high-ranking bishops of the Catholic Church, but they weren't all happy about translating it, so a few of the more devout among them splintered off and started transcribing the entirety of the tomb, including some of the passages that were banned by the Church in Greek. 
These banned passages include instructions on how to summon demons, ingredients needed to make a mind control potion, and detailed descriptions of the various rooms and spells used in necromancy along with other ancient magics that I'll talk about later. When the church discovered that this cable of bishops was transcribing the forbidden passages, the group was investigated, hunted down, and tortured and murdered in increasingly inhumane ways. Before the last of them was captured, the book was finished and hidden, and it wasn't discovered until 1640 by a group of grave robbers looking for gold. They had no idea what they had found, none, and they used it as a prize in the gladiator-style tournament that they organized. Warriors from all over Europe came to compete for it, though it probably wasn't the book that they were actually fighting for. It was the glory. In the end, it was worn by Ganora Hagen, the most brutal warrior in all of Ireland. The bishop's Bible was passed down through generations and is currently in the possession of former professional fighter Goliath Hogan, who is in fact a resident of O'Connor Orchid Estates. If you'd like to hear some more of the sensational stories around the Bishop's Bible and my thoughts on them, get into the Wayback Machine and check out episode 166 of this very podcast. And I swear that's going to be my last plug today. I swear it. And now we get into the items that are not confirmed, but are suspected to reside at O'Connor Orchid Estates. Man, saying O'Connor Orchid Estates... So many times kind of sucks. Um, so from now on, I'm just going to call it the estate. Um, and I should have done that earlier. Okay. Now, some of you, a select few, my OGs, are going to remember me talking about the Edgar Allan Poe short story, The Black Cat, as my favorite of his works. The story, for those unfamiliar, is about a man who was tormented by a black cat named Pluto. And when the man tries to kill the cat with an axe, his wife stops him and he ends up killing his wife instead. And, well, that's the short version. I recommend you read it for yourself. While the story is a work of fiction, Pluto was very, very real. It's well known that Poe was a practicer of the occult, and although many assume that the raven was his familiar, I believe it to be Pluto. After Poe's death in 1849, people started seeing Pluto roaming up the East Coast from Maryland to Pennsylvania. There were then reports of the oh-so-famous cat moving with purpose west through Mechanicsburg, Altoona, and through Pittsburgh, all the way to Cincinnati, Ohio not finding someone she had a bond with for many years. That was until in 1958 when she found Deacon O'Connor. Pluto was Deacon's familiar until he died in 1979 and was passed on to his student, wouldn't you know it, Seamus McGregor. No one knows what happened to Pluto since Seamus' death, but her circumstances put her right around Reading, Ohio. I believe her to be living in the estate, either as a familiar for someone new or living secretly on the grounds. And although she may be immortal, she's still a cat. So, you know, no one can know for sure. The second object I think might be in the estates is the Pearl Curran Spirit Board. 
As listeners will know, this is my most sought-after cursed object. Pearl Koran was born in 1883 and lived a very average life. She dropped out of school and she worked various jobs, was married in her early 20s, and lived a pretty average life. That is until 1912. In the summer of that year, Pearl and her friends began to play around with the spirit board. Uh Uh-oh. Back in those days, no one was afraid of summoning demons or anything else uh, that we know is possible with one now. They used the board off and on for a year or so. Then on July 8th of 1913, Pearl got this message from the board. Many moons ago I lived, again I come. Patience worth my name, wait, I would speak with thee. If thou shalt live, then so shall I. I make my bread at thy hearth. Good friends, let us be merry. The time for work is past. Let the tabby drowse and blink her wisdom to the fire log. End quote. And that was the beginning of a years-long relationship between Pearl Koran and Patience Worth, during which Pearl would write several books that she would attribute to Patience, including Hope True Blood and A Sorry Tale. In 1930, Pearl would move from St. Louis to California and the board would become lost. Only a few years later, though, it would be found, still in St. Louis, and it changed hands between collectors for the next 90 years. In 2020, it showed up at an auction house there. It was a talk of everyone, and I mean everyone, and the paranormal circuit. People flew in from all around the world to get a shot at owning the Pearl Quran Spirit Board. And I am happy to say that I got to see it with my own eyes that day, but it quickly got out of my price range. <laughs> quickly. In the end, an unknown man who identified himself only as Z.D. walked away, the proud owner of that board. I'll admit I got a little obsessed after losing that auction, and I went down a rabbit hole. And what I found at the bottom of that rabbit hole was the name of the mysterious man who stole away my white whale. Are you ready for it? His name is Zach Dover Branch. He's quietly one of the richest people in the country, and he's engaged to Abigail Reynolds, host of my creepy haunted life and guess what resident of o'connor orchid estates (gasps) there are a lot of guesses as to the fifth and final item but i think i figured out what it is In 1888, Jack the Ripper terrorized the town of Whitechapel, England, one of the most brutal serial killers the world has ever known. He cut his victims into pieces and was never caught. But he did leave something behind on his last victim, his knife. The knife that he used to murder and mutilate at least five, but probably closer to 15 women. Now, it has been in England's True Crime Museum since, but just a few months ago, the knife was reported missing from the museum. Someone broke in and stole only that one single knife. Now, call me crazy, but I think it might be headed straight for Reading, Ohio. 
Now, maybe you're saying to yourself, why is she telling me all of this? I listened to the podcast. I've heard of all of these stories. And of course you have. But what you don't know is that all of those items are connected. Someone involved in each of those stories all share the same bloodline. The bloodline of Abraham himself. And in that Bible, there is a passage detailing a ritual wherein a descendant of that bloodline collects the five artifacts and performs a series of very specific tasks. The person will be imbibed with great power. And that's bad enough. But what's worse is that if the ritual isn't carried out exactly to plan, it could spell the end of life as we know it. Look, I know it's a lot to swallow, and I know I sound crazy right now. Maybe I am. Maybe being obsessed with the occult for this long has done something to my brain. And I hope that's the case, but this is where all of my research has led me. And just in case I'm right, please take care of yourself. And take care of others. And keep that third eye open. I'll be back next week with something I can almost guarantee will blow your mind. Stay creepy, peeps. Blood of Abraham? Ridiculous. If someone in this building had the blood of Abraham flowing in their veins, I would surely know about it. That's the least of my worries right now, though. That idiot I had steal that knife assured me that no one would even notice for several months, but they're already talking about it on a podcast. I swear, if this ruins the plan that's taken me decades to concoct, I'm going to turn that kid into a frog so fast it will make his little amphibious head spin. This Lennox Hall person is a rather remarkable researcher. Perhaps she would be interested in joining my congregation. <laughs> I don't know. Thank you for listening. To Jack Billings Presents Haunted Apartment Complex, a proud member of the Pod Moth Network. Today's episode was written by Michael Colby. Editing and production by Michael Colby. Our theme song was written and performed by Kyle Check. Today's episode starred Shelby as Lennox Hall and Dylan Terry as Marcus Fiasco. If you would like to get a hold of us, you can email us at jackbillingsofficial at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at jackbillingspod and at my neighbor M-I-C-H-1. You can also follow us on Instagram at Jack Billings Presents. Or you can join us on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Jack Billings. 
we've changed our Patreon to include a $1 a month option, and everyone gets access to all premium content. We have exclusive episodes and unedited episodes that you get access to sometimes up to two months early, and you get to hear all of our fuck-ups.